0: This is family office intel at dentons the place where we discuss developments currently shaping the industry and actual ideas for advisors executives and families we share uncommon knowledge from insiders for the modern family office i'm edward marshall global head of family office here at the firm the following is a conversation with edmund leo edmund is a senior partner in the dentons Rodic corporate practice he's the head of the truck the head of the tax practice there And he's also the co-head of the Trust in the State and Wealth Preservation slash Family Office practice that we have in Singapore. He has uh, over three decades of experience in advising multinational organizations on cross-border tax planning, transfer pricings, and tax disputes. Uh, Also advises on international trade issues and free trade agreements, uh, among other areas. So Edmund... Thanks for joining uh, for us today. I Really appreciate it. Before we get started, talk to us about your background. How did you get? How did you come to start
1: working with family offices? Well, thanks, Eddie. Um, well, I started my career as a tax lawyer, and for you know several years, I was advising you know multinational corporations on how to plan their tax structures around the world. Now, one 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 time. Um, I realized that actually, you know, apart from multinationals, you know, needing tax advice, uh, wealthy families also need tax advice because wealthy families also have assets around the world. They also have family members scattered around the world. So they also need cross border tax planning. And so we started working with families on their tax planning as well. And then we moved from tax to other aspects of uh, legal assistance which they need, you know, including succession planning, setting up trust for them, uh, helping them to make wills, and then going into other areas like planning their investments and uh, family governance and other similar issues. So it's, it's been an evolution. Um, I would say that uh, I still do a fair amount of tax work, but it goes together with the family office practice very well uh, because all these issues have to be looked at together. All right, well, let's
0: dive into Singapore and talk about what's in your backyard. In terms of the jurisdiction of Singapore, how do you see the country balancing between being a very tax-friendly pl- location for businesses against some of the negative images uh, then, uh, that can be conjured up when, when folks talk about tax jurisdictions out
1: there? Yes, so this is a fairly controversial topic these days. Uh, and of course uh, tax havens have come under a lot of criticism in the last 5 10 years the reality is that singapore does have to strike a very careful balance but i am happy to say that you know singapore from the beginning has been very careful to protect its reputation and the main reason for that is that singapore is a major business hub so it's not a place where people just set up you know legal entities with no substance uh, and in fact singapore has investors you know from all over the world but uh, these investors normally if they set up entities singapore encourages them to put substance in it so for example singapore has tax incentives to attract investment but these tax incentives require a lot of substance right so they require employees they require you know factories or they require offices real offices and and it, so singapore is a real business hub where where real business is done. And I think that that's always been the case, uh, even before the OECD, you know, came up with all these economic substance regimes, right, which they have uh, pressurized, you know, tax havens into enacting. So because Singapore has always been that that way, uh, you know, Singapore has, for example, uh, been able to sign many, many double tax treaties with many countries, you know, who who have been happy to sign these treaties with Singapore uh, on the basis that Singapore is not a tax haven.
0: So, Edmund, in terms of Singapore's rapid development, uh, economic development has really produced an interesting infrastructure uh, and ecosystem for all different kinds of businesses uh, in in your country. How how has that played out for businesses and the, the atmosphere for local firms and global firms who are operating in Singapore?
1: Well, Singapore has always been attractive as a place for foreign investment. Uh, in fact, you know, in the in the 1960s, when Singapore first became independent, uh, Singapore was one of the first countries that actually came up with a policy of attracting foreign investment. Because in those days, uh, most Asian countries didn't like foreign investment, right? They they thought that if multinationals came in, then they would exploit the the local economy and uh, people would be exploited. But that's not that's not how Singapore thought. You know, the world would operate. So. Singapore knew that uh, foreign investment creates jobs, uh, brings in technology, uh, and, and develops Singapore as a, as a global business hub. So that, that's what Singapore has been doing uh, since the 1960s, and Singapore has done very well. And, and it helps our business in the, in the family office practice because you get people who move to Singapore personally, they set up their family offices in Singapore, and for those of them who run businesses, Many of them run their businesses from Singapore as well, so it all ties in. That Singapore is a good place to run your business, so that there are real commercial reasons for these people to come to Singapore.
0: So, Edmund, I've certainly had the pleasure to visit Singapore a few times, and it's a very lovely uh, and safe place to be. You know, I I remember seeing a a major police bulletin in a neighborhood that was that was discussing. A lost slash stolen bicycle, and it was a very hot topic for the neighborhood. What's it like for families who ro- relocate to Singapore
1: today? Actually, I think safety is a is a major factor, especially in in you know in the current environment around the world. But let, let me give you two examples, you know, to to illustrate safety in Singapore. Uh, one is that you know we constantly receive uh, you know anecdotes right from from foreigners who have moved to Singapore. And you know, for example, if they're taking the subway, uh, we, we call that the MRT in Singapore, our subway system. Or if you're taking a public bus, and you know they 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 left their wallet, you know, in the train or in the bus by mistake, or they left their their mobile phone by mistake. And uh, you know, a few hours later, they they receive a call. They receive a call from from the lost and found office, you know, to say that someone's someone's returned it, and 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 you know, they they looked at the wallet, they found out who who owned it and, and and they contacted this person. And when, when this person receives his wallet back, you know, his money and his credit cards are still there. So, so that is the kind of thing that happens in Singapore. I mean, I, I'm not saying that, you know, every wallet will be returned, but nevertheless, you know, there are there are lots of anecdotes of people who have left their wallets and, and, and got them back, you know, with money and credit cards intact. Um, the other story I can give you is that uh, obviously, I. I have a family in Singapore. Uh, I have a wife, I have a daughter. Um, my wife and daughter are safe any time of the day or night, so they, they can walk around on the street at midnight in any part of Singapore. And I, I'm not concerned for their safety. So, so that, that, that is, I guess that, that is an illustration of safety in Singapore. And I think that means a lot to high net worth families. piggy off your comments on
0: the, the law and order, situation in Singapore, talk to us about the legal system. It's certainly an area that you've experienced from multiple different angles. You know, what's important for family offices, business owners and entrepreneurs uh, that are in Singapore when it comes to the the legal system and its uh, overall functionality?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, the rule of law is obviously extremely important because when people are making investments and people are running a business, they need to know that the law is independent, that the law is neutral, and that the law will be applied, right? So so the the courts do not decide based on who you are, or based on who you know, or based on who you're bribed. Uh, It's based on the merits, right? The merits of the case. Uh, And that's that's something which Singapore has always taken seriously. Uh, Singapore started off as a British colony. So we were lucky to inherit English common law. And uh, we have continued to apply that in Singapore, uh, you know, after independence. Uh, Singapore Singapore gained independence uh, 56 years ago, so in the 1960s. Uh, Singapore has continued to apply the English common law, and uh, these days, I suppose, people are used to it, right? But, but the reality is that, you know, the legal system is reliable, people trust the legal system. There's a, there's a high level of trust in the legal system and in the courts, and that is... That is, uh, is an extremely important, you know, extremely important attraction for, for investors. I mean, Singapore is a clean, clean and transparent country. It's not corrupt. Uh, I mean, the level of corruption in Singapore is among the lowest in the world. So, uh, so I think that, that that's highly attractive for anyone trying to do business. And, and someone who has money, right? Because if you have money, then you're always afraid that someone will try and take your money away from you. Uh, hopefully in Singapore, that should not happen. Singapore is also a hub on many different levels.
0: Edmund, what are some of the non-financial reasons uh, that you've seen some of your entrepreneur or family offices set up shop in Singapore and and just like it as a jurisdiction?
1: Yeah, well, uh, as I said before, Singapore is a business hub, but it's also a cultural hub as well. So, you know, Singapore is a is a is in Asia. So we are uh, we are an Asian country with an Asian culture, but also very cosmopolitan and very global. Uh, if you walk on the street, Singapore, everybody speaks English. Uh, English is the is the language of administration, is the language of business in Singapore. So it's, it's very comfortable. Uh, the other thing is that, of course, if you've just come to Singapore, uh, you need to maintain contacts with your home country and you need to maintain contact with uh, your businesses and your assets around the world. And in that respect, Singapore is also a major transportation hub. So, you know, there are, there are flights from Singapore to, to many, many different places. Uh, I, I don't know what the current count is in the, in the COVID environment, but prior to COVID, I mean, Singapore was a place where you could, you could find a flight to about 30 cities in China, 20 cities in India, 15 cities in Indonesia, and so on. And, and frankly, uh, cities around the world. So, so I mean, there, there, are many, there are many advantages, right, to help families who are trying to maintain contact with the world from Singapore. Speaking
0: about some of your neighbors, uh, it must be uh, awfully challenging to attract and retain some great talent uh, that's there for the just professional services in general. Uh, How does that look like uh, in Singapore? And how have you at at Dentist Road uh, differentiated uh, to attract that talent? And, and see out there? Are there some gaps that you're seeing? And, and what have your family office clients appreciated about the professional service ecosystem?
1: Well, fortunately, uh, Singapore has managed to attract a lot of talent, um, not just domestic talent from Singapore, but also talent from around the world. So, uh, you know, in the last 10, 20 years, you know, lots of major global law firms have set up, accounting firms have set up, you know, major banks, private banks, investment banks have all set up. And of course, major trust companies and asset managers uh, are also in Singapore. And, and it's not just the companies, obviously. Uh, lots of individuals come to Singapore as well. Of course, you know, Singapore, I, I think, you know, I mentioned previously, uh, has a business-friendly tax system. So that attracts all these people to come here. Uh, people who move to Singapore obviously pay, you know, fairly attractive tax rates in Singapore as well. So, so they, are, they are happy to be here.
0: So with that talent piece, what about the government element here in the public-private sector and how that comes together? Are there incentives that the government is putting out or any kind of initiatives for family offices and other on, other kinds of entrepreneurs uh, to consider moving
1: to Singapore? Well, Singapore is a country where the government actually plays a major role. So, for example, in Singapore, we have the Monetary Authority of Singapore, which, is the, which again, plays a few roles. First, it is, a, it is our central bank. Uh, secondly, it is our financial regulator. So, they, they regulate banks, they regulate insurers, asset managers, brokers, and so on. But they also perform the role of uh, enhancing the financial industry in Singapore. So, they attract major financial institutions around the world to set up in Singapore. And in the last five, 10 years, they've also been very active in encouraging family offices from around the world to set up in Singapore. And they do that by offering tax incentives, for example. So if you set up a family office in Singapore and if you structure it correctly, uh, you can apply for a tax exemption in Singapore in respect of your investment income, which you generate from the family office. And in addition to that, uh, they work with another government agency called the Economic Development Board, uh, which potentially can offer permanent residence to wealthy families who move to Singapore in order to set up their family office so there are various incentives around uh, the government obviously thinks that you know family offices are something which uh, which we want to encourage and so when the government wants to encourage something they, they know how to do it. I mean, they, they, they apply the skills which, which they have used, you know, for the last 50 years uh, in attracting multinational corporations to set up here. And, and, and that's generally very effective.
0: Beyond the incentives, what, what's, what are some of the things that you've seen from your office that has been attractive for family offices to, to work with you and your team?
1: Well, a number of family offices have moved to Singapore. Uh, we, we work with many of them. Uh, so we assist them to apply for tax incentives. We assist them to set up their entities. Uh, we assist them to 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 look at their business issues because obviously, when they move their businesses to Singapore, then there will be there will be various legal and tax issues to look at. Uh, in addition, we help them with family governance. So we we look at uh, how how they plan their family succession from you know one generation to the next, and we we help them in in all kinds of different ways. You know, including including buying a house for them. You know. Uh, there, there are, of course, lots of families buying very expensive properties in Singapore these days. So that, 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 that's also something which, uh, which helps to grow our economy. And, and, and that's something which keeps our firm very busy as well. Well, one of the areas that we, we've also talked about and worked on some mutual
0: matters is certainly in the crypto and blockchain space. You know, why is this such an important area uh, for Singapore and as, and as part of the overall ecosystem? Um, in Singapore for blockchain and blockchain related
1: investors. Well, crypto and blockchain is, is an area where Singapore is also doing very well. And so um, there are lots of uh, you know crypto entrepreneurs who, who who find Singapore attractive. You know some of them have moved to Singapore as well. They they move here for a number of reasons. Uh, I think we mentioned before that you know Singapore is a business friendly tax system. So they one reason why they move here is because you know it's more tax efficient for them to do that. But Singapore is also a place where the authorities are are business friendly. So not only in tax, right? The authorities are business friendly in terms of the regulatory regime, the way in which our government regulates uh, the blockchain industry is uh, is a careful balance, right? Because uh, you want to maintain your reputation. And that's something which Singapore is very, 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 very careful about. But you also don't want to kill the business. And, and that is something which the government is very, very conscious of. And they talk to industry players, they talk to people like us all the time. Uh, I work with you know, partners in the firm who, who do a lot of crypto, world, crypto work. And uh, obviously we, we are discussing constantly with authorities, with regulators, with tax collectors, uh, and, and it, it, it works out very well. I mean, we, we have attracted quite a number of people to move to Singapore.
0: Last question for you, Evan. Think back on your career. What's uh, a lesson
1: learned that you know today that you wish you knew when you got started? Well, I think as you, as you have heard from my background and my history, I have, uh, I have moved around from one area to the next. Uh, they all tend to be related, but I think the lesson to learn is, you know, don't assume that you're going to retire doing the same work as what you did when you first started because the world is always changing and you, you just need to adapt to it.
0: Fantastic, Edmund. Listen, thanks for thanks for joining uh, today, and thanks for all of you for listening in. If you'd like to get in touch with with uh, Edmund or have any questions, do send us an email to familyoffice@dentons.com. If you enjoyed today's conversation, or some Clyde, subscribe to our channel, or review us on Apple Podcast, podcast, follow us on Spotify, or keep in touch with us wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. Uh, as always, sharing this episode is very much appreciated probably the best way that you can show your support to sign up for our newsletters and learn more about our solutions and research in the family office space do check out our website that is dentons.com forward slash family office well that's it bye everyone